0: I'm Virginia Schuette. And I'm Bethann Garriman-Merkel. And this is Meteor, the honest podcast about SciComm with Impact. Listeners, we invite you to think of this episode,
1: as always, as a conversation between mid-career professionals during a little break at a
0: conference.
1: Come grab a snack and meet us by the water cooler.
0: Right. We feel like there are lots of great sci spaces already devoted to entry-level skill building, so we're sharing some of the advanced user conversations that, frankly, we're already having with each other.
1: Yes, we want to open up these conversations beyond just us. We want to hear what you think. You can tell us what you think on Twitter or through our website, both of which are linked in the show notes.
0: Quick note, before we get started, our last episode for this season will be an open Q&A. Send us your questions, ideas, puzzles, dilemmas by November 22nd, and we'll fit in as many as we can for the December 2nd episode. And fitting things in is right in line with our topic. Today, we're talking about time management. Specifically, we're noodling on the different timelines that an interdisciplinary science communication life compels us to straddle. Timelines that come from different disciplines and different career tracks. For example, timelines in and out of academia are so different. Inside academia, teams I've worked on or supervised sometimes took a week to finalize a single Facebook post.
1: I know exactly how that goes. (laughs) And then media production timelines are nanoseconds compared to most institutional SciComm timelines even outside of academia.
0: And it's interesting. I do understand this trade-off. Careful messaging is required. And some science folks are just exploring now social media as a way to share science. So blasting things out there with every impulse that we have isn't productive. But I've also been micromanaged when producing social media or other SciCon content. And that's totally demotivating.
1: So this gets at, I, I feel like I've had this conversation with a lot of social media managers. I think of it as a triangle and they are mutually exclusive points, but the idea would be to hit all the corners. There are three major sets of stakeholders for any institutional social media thing that has to be produced. You have the, uh, like the oversight committee or the institution director, or whoever has the like, it's my butt on the line kind of properties for the institution you're working for. You have the scientist or the creator of whatever content you're featuring in your post. If you're talking about the education department's uh, lesson on, I don't know, the water cycle or whatever, you have to hit it right with the education department. And then you have the end users, the people who are ultimately gonna be consuming the thing on Facebook or Twitter or wherever. And often meeting the messaging for one of those stakeholders pulls it away from another stakeholder. For example, making sure that it's PR friendly doesn't make it as authentic and friendly for people who might want to view it on Facebook. Uh, So I feel like the whole micromanaging, um, take your time to post things, it just doesn't work with the timeline of social media where a quick witty reply is often gold for somebody to latch onto and for you to feel like a real person and not an institution.
0: So many yeses there. You're (laughs) like ticking boxes of former lives I've lived and, and all of those. Yes. And I think the, your, your last point about like the quick response being sometimes the most authentic relates to another whole timeline that I have experience with and that's journalism. So I used to work as a journalist and a newspaper editor and short turnarounds there aren't just some myth we like to be crabby about as academics. When I was doing that work, if I reached out to a scientist to interview them, I was usually doing it with our Friday filing deadline in mind for our Wednesday publication. And if folks couldn't get back to me in time for that week's cycle or maybe the next, I had to move on, sometimes from them as a source or possibly from the whole story. And we were a weekly right the timelines are different for most publications and virginia i know you had a job where you were actively coaching a whole research facility on interacting with the press thoughts
1: yeah so we're talking about <laughs> straddling timelines here for our chosen career path but then training people who chose one career path to straddle deadlines for people that they may or not may or may not feel good about working with in the first place <laughs> It's just so, it's so hard. So I feel like there are a couple things you can do. One is be proactive. So help people develop relationships with particular journalists so that the journalist can reach out to them even earlier in the process of writing a story. Uh, And then maybe they have a little bit more time, more flexibility to get back to a journalist. Um, And then I think the other thing is to, I mean, we talk about this all the time, but really decide where your values lie. Do you really want to be the person who's there to meet those deadlines over and over consistently because the coverage and the interactions and like that kind of outreach is worth it to you? Or is it just not? Because if it's just not worth it to you, then it's not worth it. And, and that's OK. Not everyone has to be on call for journalist comment and things like that. That's OK, too. But mostly you have to decide what your plan of action is going to be and stick to it. And, and so I think, again, for me, this is my career path. I chose it. I think about this all the time, but getting people to take the time to figure out how it fits into their career, this whole straddling timeline and time management thing, that's, it's it's
0: just tough. It is. And, and that whole straddling and deciding how available you want to be is a central theme of the demystifying media trainings that I've run and you've cameoed in. And I think one of the things that, that that whole consideration gets at is this question of like whose emergency is this? Like, <laughs> whose who's time sensitive thing is this? And I think one of one of those really interesting things to balance is to decide, is it my time sensitive thing? Do I do I have to fit this in? Is this an opportunity, not just a spot fire?
1: I like that idea the drop everything and concept is potentially to help someone else out or to contribute to their idea. But you could also be dropping things for your own idea or to meet an opportunity that pushes you along as well. So it's not just emergency putting out fires, like you were just saying, it's also growing things so that you can see where they go in the future. Yeah, yeah.
0: So this fall, I was invited to write a paper for a peer-reviewed journal. They wanted something about SCICOM. I wanted to focus on one of the foundational things I've been seeing people have success with in my SCICOM courses and trainings, and that's framing their SCICOM around a central understanding of their own values and goals and working out from there. So I pitched to the editor an outline on that. They agreed. Well... The deadline to submit was the end of the same month. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a drop everything and write kind of situation. And I knew I could get it done, but I didn't feel great about being the only voice. So I reached out to three people. Oh, hey, I that would make things more
1: complicated.
0: <laughs> and it did take up more time, but we figured it out. And so a couple of things we did. We met synchronously a couple of times. We mostly wrote asynchronously across four different time zones And we built something that I'm actually super jazzed to share with the world. I think it's gonna be a truly useful framework for scientists looking to share science. So I guess the drop everything and it's an opportunity for me is that it was a sprint. I had to clear my deck of some other things, but I'm glad I said yes. I'm thrilled those other people said yes to do it with me.
1: I think this idea of clearing your calendar for things that you really want to do really resonates with me because I, as a mom, I feel like I say all the time, like I don't have time for that. Like, I don't have time for that. And it's silly things. Like I don't have time to make cupcakes for the Halloween party at school, but really what I mean is I'm not going to make time to make cupcakes for the Halloween party at school. Mm -hmm. And and I think that applies to basically everything. And this is something I've realized really recently. I I think a friend needed something. And I realized that I would drop everything. Like I would call in every favor and I would skip work for a week. If a friend needed me, I would make that happen. And I think that's when I really thought about my time as something that I can make time for anything I want. And I I think this helps me banish guilt for the things I'm not doing because I can know that they weren't making, they weren't worth making time for. But then it also helps me own the decisions for what I do decide to do. These things are the things that are worth making time for. Uh, This happened to me in a very real way in my career, not just in my personal life. In the past couple of weeks, uh, there was a big ocean fundraising campaign that launched. And I was worried that the people who were launching it didn't know all the information about one of the fundraising partners that they wanted to partner with. And so I actually like, I I think I didn't work on my regular job stuff for like, most of four days or something. It was most of a week because I was just writing to people, making sure they had extra information. I realized that, and this is a mark of career success for me. I was the only marine biologist in a particular creator space that I'm a part of. I was happy to make time for that very unpaid work because it fit my values. It's exactly the kind of service that I want to be doing is helping people make good decisions in the media space that affects a lot of people in a very real way. Where are you giving your money? What actions will result because of
0: it? Yeah. And, and I'm going to pivot substantially here, <laughs> but I think it's still on track. Your point about, I will make time for the things that I think matter. And it's not like your work work doesn't matter because you're mostly happy to be doing that on any other day, right? Yes. But some days there's a thing that, that you're going to choose to do instead. Yes. And you are going to make that. It is a choice, right? And this is really in line with what I was thinking about this weekend. I was taking out the last of my plants, putting my (laughs) garden fully to bed for winter. I told you. it was. This is a pivot. (laughs) And I was yanking out beets and carrots and cutting down the last of the spinach and the kale. And I was so conflicted about it. About your plants? Yeah. (laughs) I know. I know. I approach gardening as a bit of an extreme sport, though, because for over a decade, it's kind of been my quest to see just how long I can get the garden to last. And this is a thing because I've always gardened in cold climates. Like right now I'm gardening at 7,200 feet in elevation. Anyway, I got the garden through to Christmas Day last year. I have photo evidence. So shutting it down at the end of October felt like a really big move for me. And I kept thinking about how I could just mulch with straw. I could keep the cold frames up. I could keep harvesting greens. And then I realized something as I was like, maybe I should just, and it was that by doing a final harvest and walking away, I wasn't saying no, I was just saying, this is good enough. Ooh.
1: Okay. Okay. Substantial pivot, but coming back into line. I get it.
0: Yeah. And I know I know the difference also between no and good enough might seem subtle, but it was a powerful and important one for me in this weekend out there with the dirt under my fingernails. And, And I think there's something really major about your point about taking responsibility for saying no, for making time. And for me in that moment, and it's kind of lingering, it was that I'd had as good of a garden season as I needed, and I didn't need to keep struggling with hoses that were freezing every night. And I didn't want to worry anymore that the cold frames were going to cave in from the snow. I needed to let it end so that I could give that attention to something else. That makes total sense
1: to me. So you were saying I was making time for this and I'm not going to make time for it anymore. I, I totally get that. Yeah. I, I feel like we've we've got this theme going now of it's it's so funny. You know, we, we talk about how we're mid-career professionals, which congratulations, I, I truly think we are. But we're still having these, in in my opinion, rather substantial epiphanies about how we approach time mm. and mm. kind of the philosophical dealings of how we make everything work and keep track of everything. Um, I think a lot of this, <laughs> here's there's another thing I'm bringing in for my personal life. As a mom, and as the organized one of me and my husband, and this is not a slide against him, we just have different ways of thinking about things. I'm just the organizer. Um, he definitely pulls his weight I won't have anyone saying otherwise. Um, <laughs> but we both recognize and we talk about how since I am the organized one, I'm doing the work of keeping track of things in my head. So he does as many assignments before he has to be assigned as possible so that I am not having to track them in my head. He can just take them away from me entirely. Um, so a lot of the household work that he does are things that we have just a standing agreement, he will do them. And that way I don't have to keep track of all the things. I can just keep track of like kind of my half, my realm. Um, I feel like this idea of straddling timelines, you know, as a science communicator, I feel like I have to bring different managerial skills to bear when it comes to, working with other science communicators and media professionals than when I'm working with academics. So Mm -hmm. I have to keep track of tasks and honestly use different managerial and organizational techniques when I'm working with people in different disciplines and career paths. And I'm bringing this up just to acknowledge out loud that if the way you normally do things with one group of people is not working for another team or another discipline or whatever, Give yourself the time and space you need to treat that seriously so that you can get yourself back in a workspace that
0: works for all of you. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, I mean, this is making me think of, you know, if, if I'm working for someone, whether it's as a consultant or an employee, they are often the bottleneck that I perceive, right? Like, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. get this to where I can get it. And then someone has to make a decision about it. And sometimes that decision takes them a week and we still haven't posted on Facebook. Or sometimes that decision takes them a half a year and we still haven't done some major initiatives because they're whatever, you know? But I think that we're at a point in our careers where increasingly we risk becoming the bottleneck. We are carrying so much and we are increasingly responsible for people and responsible for decisions at the bottleneck level. And yeah, I, I think even if we deplore dealing with the bottleneck, we still have to be thoughtful about what it actually means to delegate so that we don't become that ourselves at this stage in our careers.
1: Yeah, I I feel like you're exactly right. And I still, having had that academic PhD background, I still think in semesters, even though that has nothing to do with many of the people that I work with. So for example, I'm designing a new course right now and I've caught myself thinking, well, I'll design it now and offer it next semester. And then I have this, <laughs> talk with you where I was like, wait, why? <laughs> if it's ready, I can just tell people it's ready and then offer it. <laughs> There's no need. But it's it's the patterns we get into. It's it's what becomes normal to us if we are not constantly kind of thinking about the end goal and what's best for it. We default to these patterns that that may not work right or may not work well. So listeners, I want to turn it over to you. It is your turn. What is the thing? that's been taking up real estate, that's been sitting there, taking up your mental energy, kind of occupying your thoughts when maybe you could let go of it. Could you wrap up that thing? Could you push it along instead of letting it linger? Why has it been sitting there? Are you the thing holding it up or is someone else? And could saying this section is good enough to be done help move it forward.
0: Yeah. So that you could say yes to whatever your next is or the next you don't even know is coming yet. So dear listener, if you really want to hold yourself accountable, talk about what you wrote down with someone else or get in touch with us because we would really love to know what you think about the pivots that you make for short notice opportunities or to move something so that you can do something else. And we will make time to respond to you. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Another way to think about this is how do you say yes to some of these things? How do you decide? How do you make time for them?
1: Just a reminder, shameless plug, that Bethann's going to run a workshop in January on Big Picture Goal Setting. If that would help you move some stuff forward, please go to org slash courses and sign up.
0: You've been listening to Meteor, the honest podcast about SciComm with impact. Our last episode for this season will be an open Q&A. Send us your questions, your ideas, your puzzles, your dilemmas. By November 22nd, we'll fit in as many as we can for the December 2 episode.
1: To join this conversation about time management, leave us a review. It won't take long. Say hello on Twitter using at MeteorScicom, or check out everything we do in addition to the podcast on our website, Meteorscicom.org. Talk soon.